Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez, together with my co-host, Father David Tickerhoof, T-O-R. We're excited to talk to you today about something that some of you may be familiar with, some of you might not be, but it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And such a great topic, something that's so necessary. Even we get in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And boy, isn't it true that we have all been at times in our spiritual lives and in, in our lives in general, where we feel like we, we are desperate for power. So we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, as Jesus said. So Father David, I really just think it's such a useful way to start if you're willing to share your testimony about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, because it's such a great story. And um, yeah, so happy to have you share about that if you're willing. Okay, sure. I'll give a try. If it gets a little too long, just trim me down a little. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I was raised as a a, a traditional, unthinking, accepting Catholic. Uh, I I was born in 1939, went through uh, grade school, the Catholic school and the church and everything else. And then uh, my senior year, I really decided that, that, you know, I had in the third grade, I was doing penmanship things and writing circles about good writing. And uh, the thought went through my mind, you, you should, why don't you become a priest? And so that all stayed with me. So by the time I was a senior in high school, and uh, I really had to deal with that. And so was at my senior year, I uh, I basically got a couple guys. But we decided to go up and visit where our, our football team practiced at St. Francis College. And we went up there. And there's a, the monastery was up on top of the hill, the friary. And so we all, six of us went and I got out of the car and I walked through the gates. And as soon as I walked through the gates of the friary, I heard in my heart and spirit very firmly, but very gently, this is the place you are to come. It's the easiest discernment I ever had <laughs> and. and 1958, I graduated from high school, worked in a cement factory for the summer, sold my car, and in September, I entered up at the St. Francis, and I went through the postulancy candidate years, and then I went through the novitiate, and, you know, we were, we were really involved in the, in the clericate, studying theology, headed for the priesthood, and it was must have been about, you know, I, I just realized uh, going through your, your identity growth development issues and you're you're you know you're now 24 25 years old and you know you're you're just wondering where things are going and and I just started the last couple of years I was ordained in 1967 so about 1965 at the close of the council I was feeling something was missing and I couldn't put my finger on it and I and I uh, so I was I uh, was ordained in 67 and I went to Philadelphia to teach high school for a year as I teaching high school, this thing kept coming back to me that, and I felt it had to do with something of the Holy Spirit, but I didn't know, but it had something to do with the Holy Spirit. I felt it was a spiritual thing. So then I was sent to Steubenville in 1968 and I was teaching theology and I was, became really discouraged because I saw the kids were losing their faith. They weren't really experiencing the depth and the reality of what it means to really live a a committed Christian life. And I was in the dormitory one night. And so anyhow, uh, well, what happened to me is uh, if you've ever been working at a college or a university, 
everybody gets sick, you get what the kids get. Mm -hmm. And so I had a really a sinus infection and, and I got a, I got a double shot of, uh, went out to the, uh, got a double shot, got sent, the nurse sent me out to the hospital a couple miles away. And I got a, I got a, uh, a double shot of penicillin was fine. So I'm about halfway back and I started to get fuzzy and, and I started to see colors in my eyes and my breathing was having a heart. And I realized oh, wow. I was having a reaction. And I know that that's the end of the line if I don't get back and get ahead. And so I got a guy to drive me back, back to the hospital collapsed as I come in the door and they gave me the shot and everything. And so I come back to the university and I'm sitting in my room and I'm really weakened physically, but also uh, emotionally, but I was weakened spiritually. I could just felt like I was weakened spiritually. And I sat there and I said, you know, maybe I made the wrong decision. Maybe I really made the, maybe I should have gotten married. I said, wow. you know. So and that was only after being ordained for two years. That was only after being ordained for two years. Yeah, for two years. Wow. So I was somewhere in the early 30s at that point, point, you know. And so I'm, I'm, this is, I can feel this discouragement and I just didn't know how to deal with it. So all of a sudden, about two weeks later, in the middle of the night, I woke up about three o'clock and, and my room was just saturated with the presence of the Lord. And I never experienced a powerful peace, just a powerful presence of the peace of the Lord. And what went through my mind was, you are running your own life. Why don't you let me run your life? And I understood that to be sinful. And I asked the Lord's forgiveness and I fell back asleep. And then what happened is, you know, I woke, in a couple of weeks, I uh, was talking to Father Mike Scanlon and he said, you know, he said uh, he was up at the seminary rector. The seminary was a couple hour drive away. He said, you know, Ralph Martin's coming to, to the seminary. He's going to talk to the seminarians about the renewal movement that's emerging in the church for people after the close of the council in 1965, you know. So here I was ordained in 67, and here I am at 68. That's three years after the council closed. And there's this spiritual thing. Just I was yearning more and more for the spiritual thing. So I went up there, and Ralph's giving this really anointed. By anointing, I mean the Holy Spirit was speaking through him to the seminarians. It was really powerful. And I could see he knew what he was talking about. So I kept urging uh, Father Mike uh, to pray with me for that. Pray with me for that. Pray with me for that. So after Ralph was done talking, we went to his office. Ralph was there and a couple seminarians and a, a priest friend of mine. And so they they prayed with me for the this this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit at that time, which I knew nothing about. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, Ralph was trying to coach me to learn how to pray in tongues. And I said, well, I'm not too interested in tongues. I just want the Holy Spirit. That's what, cause I really, really needed that. And when they started praying with me and I just started praying with them and we were all praying in tongues and boy, I experienced a tremendous movement and power and experience to the Holy Spirit. And I can remember I was going, I came back to Steubenville and I was by myself. The kids were on, on their break, Christmas break. And I was down at the gym in, in the, in the city shooting baskets, just filled with joy and just filled with joy. I come back up and I got into my uh, office. I was a chaplain of the, of the college at the time. And I felt this nudge to go to the blessed sacrament, which was about 25 steps away in a little chapel in the corner of the, of the Christ the King church chapel mm -hmm. and i got there and i stood i stood before the uh the tabernacle like about a foot away i'm just looking at the tabernacle and i felt the increase of the presence and power of the holy spirit and i heard these words in my soul is i want you to do healing of people's hearts and i want you to ex experience the anointing of being giving prophecies. And I, I just prayed for those things and I felt the grace and I went back and then I wrote a 40 page paper on the healing of the heart, but it got lost somewhere along the line. So that was 
my experience of being baptized in the spirit. Uh, I never heard it talked about from the pulpit in my early years. I didn't know a thing about it. It never came up in the seminary. I got ordained. I went and taught for a year, exhausted, back, came to Mm -hmm. Steubenville. And there's where that occurred, that experience, uh, this actualizing grace of the power of the Holy Spirit that comes at the center of your soul. And then what happens is the spiritual gifts emerge, of praying in tongues, giving prophecy, sharing enlightened words, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, things that are in the scriptures, the Corinthians, Ephesians, and things like that. And from then on out, it was go forward, man, go forward. (laughs) My life changed. I start praying and developing a prayer life and, praying with people and leading a prayer meeting. And by the time Father Mike got to there as president in 1974, we had a, a prayer group that met on Thursday nights that about 250, 300 people would come wow. to pray, you know. A lot of the kids got involved in it. Wow, it was just super duper <laughs> That's awesome. in the early days. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was still like that when I was there as, a, as an undergrad. It was still like Yeah, that. what was it like when you were there? Oh man, I I always joke that you had to step over the bodies of the people who were resting in the Holy Spirit on the way up to the classroom <laughs> building in the morning. And you see people stopped over here praying with this person, over there praying with that person. I mean, yeah. it was the it was the it was normative. It was very normative for people to be operating in the in yeah. the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And and I I had gone to Steubenville sight unseen and had had no exposure to the charismatic renewal before going. So at first it kind of freaked me out. I'm not going to lie. I kind of felt like I had gotten on a plane, left South Georgia and, uh, and landed on another planet (laughs) because it was (laughs) so different from anything I'd experienced, even though I'd grown up Catholic and going to Catholic school and stuff, but, um, but no exposure to anything like that. And at first I was just, I remember my, my roommate, um, Chris Armshaw, uh, she was Chris Cherup at the time. And I remember laying in bed the first night and uh, I'm on the bottom bunk. She's on the top bunk. And I remember her saying, I was praying for you this summer, you know, cause I was praying for my, whomever my roommate would be. And the, the Lord was showing me, he wants to heal your, heal your heart and all these different areas. And she's naming off stuff that I'm thinking, there's no way she would know this stuff. She must be a witch. That's what, <laughs> that's, that's all. And I concluded. So boy, I was really freaked out, you know, and, and, uh, if it had not been for intramurals, honestly, I think I would have left the university because that was, that tied me down to some people who could really just build normal relationships, doing normal things. And then seeing like, wait, these people are really profoundly normal in all these ways. And yet they, they operate in the same way too. Wait, I, how do I make sense of this? You know, and then coming to understand what it was all about and, then going through a life in the spirit seminar and being baptized in the Holy spirit myself and, and, um, and just the blessing that it was, uh, just so many, so many things in terms of, um, receiving the Holy spirit operative through other people, but then also the Holy spirit operating through me and especially things like, you know, words of words of knowledge or, um, or counsel or, um, prophecy or things like that, especially, you know, especially tongues and um, just all different kind of gifts that were just like, it, it really answered a hunger in my heart to, yeah. for, for everything that I knew in my head and really clung to as far as belief to really feel like it was alive. And yeah, I just remember scriptures coming to life and just all of a sudden it began in a lot of ways for that the, the th- those things of the spiritual dimension felt um felt more real and more solid mm-hmm. um than even yeah. the world ar- around me you know the wow, material yeah. world in some kind of way so it was a blessing because because i remember prior to that in high school feeling um very attracted to spiritual things and yet at the same time felt like when i prayed uh, i don't know how to describe this other than i how I did at the time, it felt like when I would pray, my prayers would go up and hit the ceiling and just kind of stay there. You know, it felt like there there, was, right. And it felt like there's this inability to like connect to the whole way. (laughs) Of course, that's, that's still understanding God as being outside instead of inside, like we know he is, but, 
but it felt like that. It felt like he was outside instead yeah. rather than within me, you know? Yeah. Boy, that's for sure. I love so, yeah. So happy anniversary. I know today is the anniversary of your baptism in the Holy Spirit. Oh so, yeah, it is, right? It so is. It's yeah. Very ironic. 19, 1969. Yeah. Yeah. And this yeah. Uh, it was the end of December, and I that's when I experienced that all. And yeah. Boy, things took off from there then. Yeah. For yeah. sure, you know. Yeah. And yeah, so but and, and what happened is all over the country, you know, you go to Notre Dame and this, you know, eight thousand people would be gathering and talks would be given and people were uh, receiving this grace as this actual actualizing empowerment of the Holy Spirit all over the country. You know, this was at the close of the council. It's now, you know, 1969. It's ni 1970, moving into the early 70s. And and the prayer groups were uh, bouncing up all over the place. But and, that, and then for a number of years from about, you know, 69, 70, clear up until I would say recent years over the last maybe five or 10 years, these prayer groups were all over the place. And, and you know, some people would come and go and and uh, they were just really. Uh, and then gradually, it's like every other movement. There's a building up and a building up and a maturing and a a flowering and an overflowing. And then all of a sudden movements start to die and they sort of go down, 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 down. And now there's just hardly, I mean, you have to go and search around to find a prayer group, but people yeah. come together and pray now. So a lot of that has passed. And so that leads me to the question of, well, what about this work of the Holy spirit and where's the next step and where are we going from here? And, you know, we're under the umbrella of Vatican Council II. If you read the teachings of the of the fathers of Vatican Council II, beautiful stuff, beautiful stuff about church renewal. So what we're really talking about within the community of the church is a major, major spiritual renewal. Yeah. Yeah, and so necessary, right? Because back to that scripture that we jumped off with, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you know? And it's just like, it makes me think of back to what we had so recently in um, the readings for mass, the, the annunciation, yeah. right. As we went through, through Advent um, where the angel, where Mary says, how, how can this be? In other words, there isn't the power for this to happen, but for, for me to conceive, because I haven't been with a man and the, and the angel Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So, oh, so again, the Lord's beautiful. like, there's that pattern, right? The Holy Spirit comes upon us. That's when the power for yeah. miraculous things happens, right. you know, and for the Lord to be made present in the world incarnationally yeah. through our lady, but also for, through us by being his witness by, by, yeah. um, by his power. So, the baptism of the spirit is the beginning experience and empowerment of a whole spiritual renewal that has to mature and be integrated into the human personality and into relationships. That's why prayer becomes easier. Personal relationship with Jesus is enhanced beautifully. Yeah, uh, you know, the gifts of the spirit are used. And so you pray with people and you're surprised when they get emotional healing, spiritual healing, so in some cases, physical healing. And in recent years, working with some prisoners and praying with them for the anointing of the sick and Mary's guidance, you know, two of them healed from cancer, one stomach cancer and one that's cancer in the leg, you know, and you see these gifts operating and you, you appreciate that the same gifts that you see in the acts, of the apostles, right. And the, when the apostles would move somewhere and those early Christians, that would just really experience a uh, uh, all of those things that you find in the scriptures in Corinthians, and then then what is uh, is important here is a personal communication with God is enhanced and open to where in prayer and at times in guidance and following God's will in your life and doing His will. There's inspirations come and guidance mm -hmm. from the Lord and from the Spirit. Sometimes there's words. Sometimes it's just inspirations. And, you know, you, you have a kind of a, a discerning spirit that really en en enables you to know. Or the mistake happens. Oh, yeah, they happen. We're human beings. We're not perfect. But through it all, there's a maturing of a personal relationship with God in prayer 
and in relationships with brothers and sisters and in, and then ministry and mission take on a whole new different meaning and empowerment. As one person wrote, a young theologian that I know, he said that Catholics need to move from being just good Catholics to mystical Catholics. And by mystical Catholic, he meant experiences deeper infusion in the, of, of the spirit. Some people call it an anointing where that the spirit is more active in, in the heart and in the mind and in the relationships of brothers and sisters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you were sharing, as you were sharing that, I was thinking about, I know I've shared it before in previous podcasts, but just to sum up, there's the point at which when I was 23, I was diagnosed with acromegaly, which is a growth disorder. Um, it's usually caused by a tumor on the pituitary and they remove the, the tumor and, and everything's goes back to normal, but I didn't, I had acromegaly, I was diagnosed with acromegaly, but it was not because of a tumor on the pituitary. My pituitary itself is just too big. And so they said, well, we can't just take off part of your pituitary. So in other words, the acromegaly is just going to continue, which the problem is not just that you grow, you know, you're, but particularly like that your larger bones are, are as big as they're going to get because of, you know, growth plates and that kind of thing. And if, if the onset is after puberty, but your internal organs keep growing and so it really becomes a problem. <laughs> and, uh, as wow. you can imagine, right. So, so this is basically the doctor called me and told me it was basically untreatable. It wasn't anything she could do for me. And, um, and praise God, I was really looking forward to death. Like I was really joyful about it. I was really, it, to me, it was like going to Disney. It was like, this is like the biggest adventure ever, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> kind of and, early, uh, don't you think? But, <laughs> and I was driving along one day and just kind of praying as I was driving. And, and I actually remember very distinctly saying to the Lord, you know, I am totally fine with dying but I never saw it happening like this because, because I, I've always felt um, a draw towards martyrdom and the Lord very distinctly, I didn't, I wasn't expecting an answer, but you know, I always jokingly say the Lord interrupted my prayer time. And he said, did you get prayer from the person I told you to get prayer from? And I was kind of taken aback like that because I had had these kind of internal nudgings to go to this one particular friar who just recently passed away. Um, Father Bob Hiltz, who was, station at Franciscan at the time. And I had had these kind of internal nudgings to go to him to ask for prayer, but I was kind of shy just about asking for, for prayer from one of the friars and never wanted to inconvenience you guys and that kind of thing. And, um, so I started making excuses with the Lord. I'm like, well, he's always busy and I don't know where to find him. The Lord interrupts again. Right. I jokingly say that interrupts. And, um, and he said, go to campus right now. He's coming out of the chapel. I looked at the clock in my car and it was like 2.15 or something. You know what I mean? It was, there weren't offices in the chapel back then. Those have since been added, uh, you know, as additions to the chapel in later years. And there was no, no, nothing scheduled, no activity scheduled. And, uh, you know, mass, it wasn't a time for mass or confession. There was no reason for him to be in the chapel at that point. And so I'm looking at the clock in my car and thinking, okay, I can go ahead, continue on my route to where I was heading, or I can go to campus. You know, if, if I don't go to campus, I'm going to be wondering for the rest of my very short life, if this was really the Lord, or I can go, I can go check this out. So honestly, it was probably more from curiosity than from obedience, but it got the best to me. And so I went up to campus and, you know, parked behind the chapel and I go walking around the chapel. There's not a soul in sight not a soul. It's clearly nothing going on. And, you know, you can hear crickets, right? It's so quiet. And I get up to the door and I go to reach for the handle. And I'm, my thought in my head was, see, this was all in my head was going to be the next word. And the door opens and father Bob steps out directly in front of me. And it's just kind of jaw dropped and going, you know, kind of stammering, uh, 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 <laughs> like, I'm supposed to ask you to pray with me. <laughs> and he did. And it all went into remission. It was in remission for 27 years until then it flared up and you prayed the anointing of the sick with me. And my feet had grown a size and a half and they shrank back down after you prayed. The, I had a bone in my foot that was popping up because of the, the excessive growth and you prayed with me and 
it's all gone. I have a picture of the before and after and like, it's yeah. all, it's all changed. Praise so the Lord, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So it's very interesting when you have, I guess my point in sharing that obviously the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit was speaking to me, getting me to get to, to pay attention to those internal nudgings, which were him as well. But then also, um, just the ability of the Holy spirit to orchestrate, right. He sees where I am and what I'm doing. He's able to break into my conversation and my prayer. And he's, and then, and, and at the same time, he knows where father Bob is. So, and father, you know, uh, he, he have somebody else who's willing to operate in the power of the Holy spirit too, and be willing to pray with somebody for healing and amazing things can happen, you know? So, so it's one thing when the Lord's operating in one individual, but when you have a, a group of people who are, operating in this way it's just beautiful what the lord can accomplish as we wow. as that's, he intervenes that is, directly in our lives through each other you know so beautiful that's beautiful that's just yeah. really wonderful yeah so maybe you can let's you know i think the we're we're saying the holy spirit the holy spirit the holy spirit but i think the holy spirit i can say for myself for sure before i went to franciscan that i didn't really have you know we heard about the holy spirit at confirmation and we were going to be receiving the Holy Spirit in a new way. <clears throat> and that was kind of it. Like the Holy Spirit, we, I just don't, I, I think a lot of times as Catholics, we just, um, yeah, the Holy, you know, we can picture kind of the God, the father, you know, kind of an old, you know, grandfatherly looking man. And of course, crucifixes and all different images of Jesus. And, but the Holy Spirit, you know, he's kind of, he's, he's, he's imaged by a bird and that's kind of all we got, you know, and that's, yeah. so it's kind of real hard to, to kind of wrap our head around, like who, who is he as, you know, the third person of, of the Holy Trinity. And we don't really kind of know more than that. So maybe you can say a little bit for us about who is the Holy Spirit. Well, well, you know, when, when you're baptized as an infant or as a baby, a young baby, you know, this water baptism opens the whole door to the heavenly realities and to salvation and a, a deep relationship. And we receive internally through the baptism of water, We the baptism of water, we receive the indwelling, the inner presence actively of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens in baptism. Certainly, it's God becoming man and because of his love for us and giving us the gift of salvation as says Jesus died on the cross and offered his life to the Father for the salvation of not just individuals, but of the world. But so that's, it's already moving in us. It doesn't leave. And when we receive confirmation, it's a, it's a deeper infusion and experience and receiving of the Holy Spirit to give us strength, to give us courage, to give us mission, to give us a purpose to move forward and bring about the life-giving presence of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit in serving in mission, in prayer, and gifts, and relating to others, and doing mercy work. So we're confirmed in the Holy Spirit. So that leaves the question of, well, okay, so what's this business of being baptized in the Holy Spirit? And and so being baptized in the Holy Spirit is, is a renewal grace. But if you look at Matthew in chapter 3, you know, they ask John the Baptist, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? He says, no, I'm not. He says, no, I'm not. There's one coming who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And if you look at Luke, Luke in chapter three of Luke, Luke says the same thing. You know, he will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. So there's a, there's a change, even though you've received uh, the sacraments of baptism and you receive the uh, the confirmation, and and you're you're actively involved with the Eucharist as a Catholic and or or your prayer and your as as a Christian, you go to the word of God bringing forth his reality and his, his love and his saving thing. Even though those are realities, uh, we get tired in inside spiritually sometimes, and we need these renewal movements, these particular graces that are going to refresh and renew us. And so being baptized in the Holy Spirit is, is in a sense, the church's grace of renewal, you know? And, and so when this thing, 
came about in the round right at the close of the council in 1966. These young guys at Notre Dame and, and uh, University of Michigan and other places, they wondered what's what's going on with all these gifts of the spirit, the prayer meeting, praying with people, people getting healed. What is this? What is what do we? And so they went to a, a bunch of theologians in the Catholic Church, a couple of theologians, and they said, "What? Well, what?" Is, they said, "Well, what's going on?" And when they had explained to them in the prayer meetings of that, what was going on? They said, "Oh, well, they're charisms. They're charisms of the spirit. Why don't you call it the charismatic renewal?" That's how it got its name, the charismatic renewal. Some people, and I'd be one of those, would think, "Well, maybe." Wish that didn't happen because that's so misleading and it's so hard for people to understand sometimes that this is a renewal grace. This is a, an empowerment. This is a grace of infusion of the Holy Spirit. And when you look at the being baptized in the Spirit, it's not the same thing as being baptized in water. You already have that. You already have the saving graces. And is uh, you're you're already in a sense gifted because God became man in the incarnation and the gifts of that, is so it's an additional gift of the Spirit to enhance, refresh, renew, empower, and it, for the use of the gifts of the Spirit, for the use of the spiritual gifts, deepening in prayer, strengthening your relationship with Jesus, uh, being able to do the graces that are given for mission, witness, and service. All these things are given by being baptized in the Spirit, and then they grow and mature, and you grow and mature in your prayer life, and in your service life, and you move forward in it. And, and so the fire is, is a symbol. It's all over Scripture. There's all kinds of Scriptures about it in different ways. But when you hear fire in the Psalms, or it, the fire is usually a, a, an, a, an activity of God in a special nature, fire. So in a certain sense, the burning of the fire is the transforming act more deeply of the work and pre presence and the mission of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian and in, in their relationships. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So, so it sounds, uh, I want to share, a, I want to share an analogy because it was very helpful to me about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but it sounds from, um, from what you're sharing, like, you know, in, a, in my personal experience also, but it's kind of those things that I think we can kind of tend when they're, we, without the action, let me put it this way, like without those things, without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be left wondering, like, what's, how is, um, how is the Christian message relevant, right? Because we, because secularism can come in and kind of, and choke out and, and seem so much more powerful, right? When we're not, when we don't yeah. see God's power, Absolutely, above, yeah. right? And we mm -hmm. can end up going, does this even matter? Is it even real? And then people stop going to church, you know, and that kind of thing. So, um, and lacking in that personal relationship with the Lord because we're not brought into, into that. But um, many years ago, back in 1996, I was the speaker hospitality coordinator for, um, for the Christian conference office at Franciscan University. And I think it was charismatic conference or something like that. But Father Hal Cohen was there as one of the speakers. Now I was in charge of kind of soup to nuts, getting them there and getting them home and everything in between and, and taking them around campus and kind of being their personal, you know, kind of valet or whatever. And after the Saturday night session, I think it was, and Father Hal, I mean, it's late. It's, it was after the conference, after the last session, after everybody had been prayed over um, and after the team meeting, I think, or something, it was late. It was late. And Father Hal says, I need chocolate syrup. Can you get me chocolate syrup by the morning? Which by the morning meant like being back over there at like eight o'clock in the morning. And it's already like two in the morning. And I'm thinking, where, where are I going to find chocolate syrup for this man? <laughs> and, um, and thankfully, you know, whatever, whatever store was open, I was able to get him chocolate syrup by Sunday morning at eight o'clock. And so he, he gets up to speak the next morning and he has this glass of milk and he squirts a whole bunch of chocolate syrup down into the glass. So, you know, you see it settling to the bottom and you maybe have an inch or two inches, however much chocolate syrup he's putting in there. And he said, 
this glass of milk is us. This is you. And through baptism and confirmation, like we receive the Holy Spirit, you know, we receive the life of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit. And that's the chocolate syrup down here at the bottom. And this is baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he stuck a spoon in the glass and stirred up the chocolate syrup. So, so now it was chocolate milk, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> I, just, I really like that. that. What an image. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get the real visual on that, you yeah. know, and everybody's made chocolate milk at one point or another in their life. And so we've had that experience of it's not chocolate milk. If you don't stir it up, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just, it's, in, it's in there, but it's settled and it's not it's not having that transformative power on the milk. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I really like that. It, um, it's a, it's a very practical, but very, yeah, I think it's a very apt um, analogy. So just hopefully yeah, the that... word baptism means plunged, plunged into, you know, overwhelmed and deeply mm -hmm. experiencing grace or the movement of the spirit or the movement of grace. And, and then it, it goes on and matures in your life and calls you into deeper levels of Christian maturity. And like now the one we're working with is, is uh, human and spiritual integration, which is actually uh, formation. It's, it's formation for those who've been experiencing these graces all along the line. And that at the same time, the, 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 the grace has to work in their personality and their mind in their relationships, you know, this is where the trauma stuff comes from in their mind and, you know, the different things. And so then what happens is the, the power of the spirit works on these things and brings healing and brings transformation and brings deeper experience of grace and brings a deeper understanding of charity and love and deeper understanding of ministering mercy to others and, you know, being compassionate in our relationships with ourselves and with others and with God, you know, you see beautiful things happen, but, but there's a need to cooperate with that. And there's a need to have an understanding of what the, the grace of renewal is in the church. And, and, and this is, this is not just for, me or one individual or a few, this is for the whole renewal of the church in, in an age when things are becoming far more secular and uh, many, many things, many, many people are van abandoning faith and yeah. abandoning the revelation of the word and of scripture and, and, and they're looking to other things. To right. And I to... think again, that's because we, people can end up feeling like this isn't, it's not powerful. You know, yeah. there's other things that are more powerful, but again, back to Acts one eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Yeah. yeah. And I and, and quite honestly, like only receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you because uh, those other things that we can tend to buy into as power, whether the looks, money, popularity, whatever, like those things are all very fleeting and they're ultimately not power outside of the action of mm -hmm. of God and grace. Yeah. So I have a, I have a question for you. I want to know what you, so a couple of questions here to make this applicable to our listeners, because some people might not have anyone around them. Like I did, didn't, or wasn't aware of, or, or that kind of thing. Like, um, like if somebody, uh, first of all, I guess would be the question is the, do you think the baptism in the Holy spirit is for everyone? Do you think it's available to everyone? Oh, I think it's definitely available to those who really come to see a need for it and 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 appreciate what's going on inside them. I think it's available to everyone, and I think it it depends on the individual's personal freedom and choice to whether they can recognize that first of all that there's something missing, there's something needed, there's something more for them, and then to decide to do it and decide to search it out. And uh, have the courage and the humility to kind of get prayed with, or to get go into a seminar or workshop, or and to and to he and to hear the kind of things that are going to enable them to really experience and and be prayed with for this renewal, the church's grace of renewal of the Holy Spirit, and the and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The whole the current development of the encounter ministry in the church is basically a deepening in a, of the understanding of 
the work of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit into, into Christian life and relationships and in terms of holiness, in terms of relating to brothers and sisters and working together in terms of mission, in terms of service. The Holy Spirit wants to be involved in all those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can see the Holy Spirit is like, you know, there's a um, there's a saying, you can't build a rocket ship by yourself. And I see yeah. the Holy Spirit is because we all have different, different gifts and um, in the body, right? The Holy Spirit is that unifying factor that can bring those gifts together into that unity that Jesus prayed for at the Last Supper. Um, so you kind of began to answer that, like, what if, how, how does somebody, if they don't have a prayer group somewhere around them, like, how can they get in touch with where, where they can learn more about this or where they can even, you know, can I just go in my room if I haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and ask, ask the Lord to do that? Like, is there some, is there a certain formula? Like, how do I get connected to well, this? I, th I think, I think first of all, a, a person needs to be in touch with what's going on inside them. Sometimes they see the hurts and wounds, and sometimes they feel there's something missing. Sometimes they feel a deeper desire for uh, living grace. They see other people praying, and they can't pray, and they're looking, they're searching. And see, sometimes we forget that God is working in each person's inner being, their life, and their heart. And if God wants them to receive more of that, God will take the initiative to draw them and make them aware. And other, they can get, be aware by others. They can be aware of friends who, who know what this is. They can go and read books about it. But the main thing is the person, the individual person relating to God in the center of their soul, the center of their heart. And God is the one who takes the initiative for people to really yearn for and desire and be hungry for and search out. And if a person's faithful in responding to the inner workings of the spirit in their heart and in their mind, they will look for those things and God will provide those to eventually lead them. And especially if they're feeling like uh, there's things missing and they don't know how to pray and they, they feel God's distance in their life and they feel that you know they've gone through a number of crises and difficulties, and uh, they're they're dis dissatisfied with where they are spiritually and in the church and with where the church is. You know, God is in charge, and God takes initiative because He is love, He is mercy, He is compassion, and He desires each individual person to to be drawn more deeply into a relationship with Him. So I'm going to, so I'll, I'll let you, if, if you have anything to, to add to this, I would say for our listeners, if you've been listening to this and, and you're, a, there's something stirring inside of you and you're wanting more of the Holy spirit more, uh, to be stirred up into your life in these actual grace kind of ways of, um, the, the gifts of the Holy spirit, uh, then, some some of the different things you can do, ways you can get connected to this. Of course, you can just ask the Lord for that directly, but you can also check out the different churches in your area, see if there uh, is a prayer group anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, you might also, there, there are many in different regions, different um, charismatic conferences, that word gets, right. gets put on there. Um, there's also the Encounter Ministries, Encounter Conference, Encounter right. School. Right, exactly. Um, so there's just a number of, different ways that if the Lord's stirring your heart as you're listening to this, you know, then yeah. um, different ways you can get connected to learning more about it, receiving prayer. There is, is that sound, you can, if you can think of anything else to add to that, Father David, if somebody's listening to this and they're feeling that stirring within and you know how it starts feeling when the Holy Spirit's really Kind of, I always picture that dove inside of us flapping yeah. madly, you know, yeah. <laughs> if that's happening to somebody who's listening, what would you suggest to them? How do, they, yeah. how do I find somebody to help me with this? And and I think we should be sensitive. Uh, the the uh, Receiving the baptism of the Spirit usually usually has been done after they've gone through about seven, seven weeks of each week, once a week, a talk on what it is. What, what happens, what it's for, what its purpose is, how this affects others, how this affects our spiritual life. That's what Life in the Spirit Seminar is about. And I think basically we we need to, to, to take some kind of a 
teaching tool of a seminar fashion or workshop fashion that really answers all the questions for a person seeking this deeper involvement, this deeper uh, development in the life of grace and in the spirit that will affect their thinking, their mind, their heart, and their relationships with their brothers and sisters. And I think we could do take a do a little bit of renewal of the Life and Spirit Seminar, make it more adaptable to what's going on now. That's one of the reasons why we're concentrating on uh, human and spiritual maturity, because that's part of the the the, the integration. Uh, and that needs to uh, the uh, that needs to really happen as a person becomes more and more adept to and aware of and cooperates with the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Yeah, that's it's so necessary, and it can be very helpful to have those questions answered because there can be a lot of questions. There certainly can be a lot of questions. Well, sure. And I think that when we don't understand things, it can lead to to being fearful. And there was something that you said before when you were talking about. Um, having the courage, you mentioned this a number of minutes ago, having the courage to ask for prayer. And I do think it's it's something that requires courage when there's something that's the unknown, right? And yeah. we haven't been exposed or maybe we Stepping have, out. and it just kind of feels like that's so other than anything I'm used to. And that can be intimidating for people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would just, I don't know, I just kind of say a note on that and I'll get you to chime in if you feel to, but I remember being like I had shared like my own experience of it, my own early exposure to all things charismatic was kind of I was kind of freaked out, you know, it was yeah. kind of scary. Oh, and, you um, and a lot of others, right? Yeah, because I didn't <laughs> understand. But I can tell you on the other side of that, like it's the when it's when it's um, when you go through it, it's it's the most peaceful. It's the most peaceful thing ever, really. Yeah. I mean, just such an experience of the Lord's peace, you yeah. know. And tenderness um, of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And real like beauty. It's like really spiritually beautiful. And yeah. Um and quite and seems quite normal once, you know, once you're he once you're used to it, it's just um it's obviously yeah. obviously a beautiful gift. I'm not trying to minimize that, but it it's um the freakiness, the scariness, the, that that's, yeah, you realize like that was just because it was so unknown. There's nothing like fundamentally yeah. scary about it. It's really because perfect love casts out yeah. all fear. Right? Well, perfect love casts out all fear. And, and then you, then one of the things receiving that actual grace of renewal and re- what you, you know, you begin to realize that my, oh my, you know, God is so gentle and tender and, the changes take place and prayer goes better and, you know, our relationships go better. And if we have hurts and wounds that need attention and we get prayer for that, that, that they go away, you know, and you just see a loving, merciful, compassionate God working specifically in his love in the heart and soul of a person and in, in, in many ways, according to their need and according to the situation. And and th- that's what the seminars should do. They should really answer the questions and work with the person and uh, confirm in them what's going on and encourage them to, to make the decision and choices they have the responsibility to do, just to choose what they want and then to receive and step out in faith. You know, we walk by faith and not by sight. We we, we step out and just pray for what the Lord wants to, to give the person and be open to it. God will take care of the rest. Yeah. I think that notion of openness is really important. I, I know a few years ago, it felt like the Lord just kept bringing something up to me that I'd never heard of before. <laughs> and that was um, making making a vow of openness to the Holy Spirit. Never yeah. heard of such a thing. Still have never heard of such a thing. But man, the Lord was really felt like really leaning on me about that. And so um, so I did that and and I I renew that each day. And I think that there there really is a direct relation to our openness to the Lord coming because because he's a respecter of our free will and he's not gonna cross that boundary. <laughs> like you right, see right, the right. humility of God and honoring the ability he's given us to set boundaries. Oh yeah. He respects our freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Um, so, so the, but I, that I openness, think, but that that openness, I think, is an important thing right. to pray for. And then, and then the Lord takes initiative and leads the the person to deeper understandings or to people that can help. And that the the that seminar that prepares a person to be prayed with for that grace and that gift is uh, is important because it prepares a person to respond as deeply as possible. And then, and then it's a new journey in the sense that you're moving forward. It's not like. You, you set your old friends aside and you stop doing this and you stop working or you stop doing, you, you know, it's, you don't change being a human being, but you allow the Holy spirit to change the work of grace and the work of the spirit within you, within the community of the church. Yeah. Yeah. So great. There's so much to say about the Holy spirit. It's such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful gift. So thank you so much for Father David. Really appreciate it. It's been great talking about this. We could talk about the Holy Spirit all day. Yeah, I enjoy it. Enjoy, like enjoy. A lot of things to share about. <laughs> a lot of things to share about the Holy Spirit. Um, for our listeners, we just ask. We just encourage you to check out your local area. Check out some of these things. Encounter Ministries. Check out prayer groups in your areas. Um, charismatic conferences and things like that. And encourage you to not be scared. It's it'll really change your life. You heard father David sharing about how in some ways it sounds like it really um, may have the Holy baptism, the Holy spirit may have been really instrumental in preserving his vocation. And um, it certainly has drastically changed my life. And so just really encourage you to be open to the Lord and um, just thank you for listening to us. If you want to be connected to the healing information missions we do, please feel free to contact um, us via the website, sacredhearthealingministries.com. You can feel out, fill out a contact form there. Father David has a book, wonderful book on atonement, evangelizing Catholic culture, and that's available on Amazon, my books as well. More Than Words, The Freedom to Thrive After Trauma and Fearless Abundant Life Through Infinite Love. And um, just thank you for joining us. Look forward to talking to you more next week. May the Lord give you peace. Thank you for joining me for today's show. Please subscribe and share and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media. And to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to sacredhearthealingministries.com.